So the record, I think, is over 16 pounds, and it came out of Clayton. And before I got here for a time period, the department was spawning walleye at Clayton, and I've heard stories of fish that were actually measured during the walleye spawn over 20 pounds. Hello, New Mexico. James Pittman here with another edition of the New Mexico Wildlife Podcast. Well, turkey season's behind us, and it's about that time of year when you dust off that fishing gear that you threw in the garage last year, and we get back out on the water. So today we're going to be talking all about walleye fishing in New Mexico, and to help us with that today is the Assistant Chief of Fisheries overseeing research and management, Mike Rule. Mike, thanks for being here. Happy to be here, James. Well, Mike, before we dive into all things walleye fishing, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. How, how long have you been on with the Department of Game and Fish? Sure. I've been on for about seven and a half years now. I came here from Montana where I was working in Yellowstone National Park. Nice, nice. And so when you first moved here, what job What job was that for? Yeah, I started... I started with the department as the native fish program manager. Uh, and then I guess maybe two and a half years ago or so, uh, I promoted into the assistant chief position. Very cool. Well, you had mentioned uh, working in Yellowstone. So I guess tell us a little bit about what you were doing prior to Game and Fish, where you went to school and jobs you held and things like that. Sure. Uh, so I'm a Pennsylvania native. Um, born and raised in southeastern Pennsylvania, and then uh, got an undergraduate degree from a small university there, Mansfield University of Pennsylvania, with a uh, Bachelor of Science in Fisheries Management. Um, and then I got a master's degree from Western Kentucky University um, before heading out to Yellowstone. I worked in Yellowstone for about 10 years and spent my time there mostly working on restoration of native cutthroat species, Yellowstone cutthroats, West Slope cutthroats, and Arctic grayling. Nice. And then fast forwarding to to present day, you said your, your current job is the assistant chief of fisheries um, kind of overseeing the, the research and management side of things. So what, what do you do in, in your current job? So what I really do is uh, basically facilitate work among a couple of, of teams. Our fisheries division has has one split in it with the, the hatchery group being on one side of the division, uh, and there, there's a different assistant chief for that. Uh, Roddy Gallegos, I, I think he's been on the podcast. He has. Yep. And then uh, my side of the shop, research and management. And so the teams that I work with are the the sport fish program, who, you know, manages all, all things kind of angling related. Uh, and then the other big team is the native fish program, which was the one that I was managing before I – uh, came into my current role. And then we also have an aquatic invasive species program, which is smaller, but, but certainly no less important. Um, 
And then I also have a really fantastic employee who helps us out with all of the environmental compliance um, related to the work that we do. So she helps us out with the National Environmental Policy Act and uh, things that intersect with the EPA, thing, things like that. Nice, nice. So a lot going on then. Yeah, pl- plenty to do. Well, let, let's talk a little bit about one of those things that you've got going on. I'd like to talk before we dive all into walleye fishing, um, a little bit about a new resource that's available for New Mexico fishermen. So can you tell us a little bit about the new online fishing planner that's on the department's website, kind of how it was developed and how anglers can use that to their advantage? Yeah, that, this is something that I am particularly proud of uh, that we've been developing over the last year or two. Um, it's actually been a collaboration between the Sport Fish and Native Fish Program. We, we've brought a couple of folks together that that really have expertise both in New Mexico angling and and then some in in displaying information like this. So sort of before I really jump into what it is, if people, you know, are, are listening to this and want to try to follow along, if you go to our website and under the main page on our website, go to fishing, when you hover over fishing, you'll get a drop down box and about, I don't know, fifth or sixth thing down there is, is called fishing conditions and trip planner. Uh, so that's what we're talking about. And, and what it is, is, basically a a synthesis of information that we pulled out of the weekly fishing reports. So a lot of New Mexico anglers will know that every week we put out a fishing report. So 52 weeks a year, there's a report that comes out, and most reports go through most of the water bodies in the state, at least the ones that are popular for angling. Um, And so, for instance, if you go and look at the report, on any given week for conscious reservoir, you know, you would see things like fishing for largemouth bass was good this week. Fishing for walleyes was slow to fair, um, you know, or fishing for bluegill was excellent. Those, those kinds of things. And so what, what we did was we took those keywords that have been consistently used in our fishing reports and we turn them into something we call categorical data, which is is really a, a scientific way of saying that if the report said fishing for a species was excellent, we scored that a five. And if it said it was slow or if there wasn't a report for that week for that water body, we assigned it a score of one. Uh, and then what we did was we went through all of the reports over a four year period and did that, that data exercise. And then we took the average score for those four years and, and put them on a graph by week throughout the year. And so what you end up getting is a line on a graph that helps you understand when the fishing for a particular species in a particular water body might be good. 
Okay, so let's kind of dive into those graphs then. And we're talking about walleye, so let's look specifically at walleye. So it looks like there's a large peak sort of this time of year, April, May, June time frame, depending on the lake that you're looking at. And then it looks like there's another peak in the fall, October, November time frame. So why why is that? Yeah, so what what you're describing, James, is again on the website um, under this fishing conditions and trip planner. Uh, you'll see two tabs just under the logo. One says waters, one says species. Uh, in this case, if you go to the species tab and then go down to walleye, um, the first graph that you see there is kind of what we're talking about right now. And and the question you're asking, James, is um, sort of, I, I think, twofold, or there's two interesting things to, to kind of pull out of that question. One is, you know, why why is generally the peak late, late April through, you know, early June. Um, and also why is it different in different places? The, the reason for the peak is mostly that that time period is the post spawn period for walleye. So our walleye spawn late March through mid April, generally, um, kind of as an average in New Mexico. And they're usually a little harder to catch during that spawning period. But after the spawn, they kind of go on the feed. Water temperatures are still cool. It hasn't, it hasn't gotten real hot yet. And, we'll, and walleye are a cool water kind of fish. Um, so you just generally have a period, you know, before the heat of the summer really hits, um, where the walleye are, are biting pretty good. They're, they're on the feed after the spawn. The, the second interesting thing, if you're looking at the same graph that I am is, uh, there's four, there's four lakes here displayed on one graph, Abiquiu, Caballo, Sumner, and Ute. And what you'll notice is that the earliest peak is in Caballo, which is more like mid to late April. And the latest peak is an Abiquiu, which is more like mid-June. Uh, and the reason for that is is where each of those lakes are in the state and the the water temperature in each of those lakes. Obviously, way down south in Caballo, uh, that warms up earlier, so things happen a little earlier down there. Abiquiu is the coldest of the reservoirs on the graph, the most northerly and uh Therefore, the, the peak happens later. Okay. Okay, so it has to do with with the location of the of the lake itself. Yep, and more specifically with, the, you know, the effect of location on water temperature. Sure. Sure. Well, what about the second peak on that graph? Obviously, it's the same thing where the lakes are, are peaking at different times, but it looks like there's a clear peak you know, sometimes September time frame, but mainly in that October, November time frame. Is there something related to the life cycle of walleye, just like that first peak being after the spawn? Is there a reason there's another peak in the fall? Yeah, it's kind of the same thing. It's it's the fish feeding in the fall before winter hits. Um, 
you know, there's a there's a time period there where the water temperatures are ideal for them to be really be moving around and really be active in the lakes. Uh, and they're trying to put weight on or, you know, or feed up before winter and everything gets, you know, cold and really slows down. So kind of the same thing, just an ideal, you know, time period where, where water conditions are, are right. Okay. All right. So we've talked about the monthly peaks, the time periods of the year that are the best times to fish, but what else within that helps determine the best time? Is it right after a change in the weather, specific time of day? You talked a little bit about water temperature. Yeah, the answer to that question depends a little bit on on time of year. You know, daily conditions or, you know, the conditions that week. If it's early in the season, uh, particularly pre-spawn coming out of winter, you know, when it's cold like in March, um, you you can have some really good days walleye fishing in March, what I prefer during that time of year is more stable, um, warmer, sunny weather. I think it, it helps, you know, as the water temperatures coming up, those, those days help that to happen. And particularly more shallow areas can, can start to warm up. And so I think the fish look for them a little bit. Um, Later in the summer, I think overcast days are, are probably better. As, as most of the listeners of this podcast know, it's, it's really windy in New Mexico. So a lot of times when you do get those overcast days, you might get lots of wind. Um, and that can just make it plain tough to be out there fishing. But I would, I would say probably more importantly, you know, during kind of this May and June time frame when the fishing is the best, I I like to fish as early as I can get out there in the morning. I tend to have good success, um, and the evening can be the same way. Although, all that said, I, I've had great walleye bites at two o'clock in the afternoon on days where I didn't do very well in the morning. So it's uh, a little bit like all hunting and fishing the the key element to having a good day is to get out there on on any day that you can for sure for sure and and along those lines i mean we've talked about hitting this peak which you're saying is coming after the spawn so is there anything else that as a biologist that you could tell us about the life cycle of walleye that would actually help us as anglers to have a better understanding of the of the species we're after and to be more successful. Well, you know, so so like I said, I walleye are cool water fish, and and New Mexico is a pretty uh, hot kind of place. So trying trying to fish at at times of the day or times of the year, you know, when that water temperature is going to be cooler and and seeking those conditions help a little bit um walleye are are very predatory they they mainly eat fish um so they're you know they're keying in on things like shad and other bait fish in terms of forage and and so targeting or imitating uh those kind of bait fish you know are are generally going to be the techniques that produce fish Okay. 
Okay, and then talking more about the life cycle, I guess, of walleye, you had mentioned that fishing for them during the spawn is really not a good time to fish. Why is that? Well, they just get focused on spawning. Um, A lot of the spawning happens at night. They're really active at night. You can sometimes do good catching the the smaller males. You know, I would say that that just because I thought it was during the spawn doesn't mean that I wouldn't necessarily go out, you know, and, and target walleyes. You could still have a good day, but particularly the big fish, particularly those big females, they they just don't seem to eat a lot uh, during the spawn. There, I think they're just more more focused on completing that reproductive part of their life cycle. All right. All right. And, and so it sounds like the walleye spawn in New Mexico, that's something that occurs naturally. So walleye are more self-sustaining populations than, than some of our other species. Well, not exactly. Most of our walleye fisheries in New Mexico are supported by us stocking them. Okay. In fact, we spend about a month every year in the spring uh, where the sport fish program is, is mostly focused on going out and spawning walleye. Uh, basically what they do is, is they go out usually um, with an electrofishing boat or with gill nets and uh, catch a bunch of male walleye. And then they'll, they'll put those, those males in a pen and, and we can keep them for a week or more that way but we go out every single day during the walleye spawn uh and run gill nets that are that are of such a size that they're kind of specifically designed only to catch really big fish um and mature female walleyes are are really big fish uh you know 25 inches is is pretty common wow 30 inches is certainly not unheard of and and they can be even bigger than that. Wow. Yeah, they're 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 impressive fish. Um so anyway, we go out every day, every morning, check all of the nets. Um the intent and for the most part all all of those walleyes are still alive because they they haven't been in the nets real long because, you know, they they like I said they get active at night and they come up shallow uh to spawn at night and so our nets are set shallow so they they usually haven't been in there very long um we pull them out of the net check them and if if they're ready uh we basically squeeze the eggs out of the females um add milt out of the males which fertilizes the eggs and then we take those fertilized eggs to our hatchery at rock lake um near santa rosa there and they hatch them at the hatchery, and then when they're just a couple days old, we stock them out um, into our reservoirs that have walleye fisheries. The reservoirs that that routinely get stocked are Conchas, Ute, Santa Rosa, Sumner, Abiquiu, Clayton, and Caballo. All from Rock Lake Hatchery. Yep. We do also get some help from partner states and uh, from the Fish and Wildlife Service, who sometimes, uh, if if they have excess eggs through their hatchery programs, they will send us eggs, which is a, 
which is really great because some years, um, some years it's a struggle to get all of the eggs that we need. And so that supplementation from, from other states is really helpful. It also helps us keep our walleye, uh, genetically diverse, which, uh, which is a good thing. Okay. Well, a lot of follow-up questions there. So, so is that the main, is that the main reason to do that? Obviously, if they're spawning, it's, it's somewhat occurring naturally. So is the, the goal to maintain genetic diversity or, or why is the spawn done by game and fish? Sure. So most of our reservoirs, we're, we're pretty far outside the native range of walleye. You know, they're native up the Mississippi, Missouri basins farther, farther north. Most of our reservoirs don't really have very ideal conditions for walleye to successfully reproduce. So while there is some small amount of reproduction, we believe in most of our reservoirs, there is not enough to have a self-sustaining walleye population. Okay. That said, it does appear that Elephant Butte has a self-sustaining walleye population. We do not routinely stock Elephant Butte, but it does it does have walleyes. If you look at the fishing report, you'll see lots of of walleye pictures from Elephant Butte. So that's kind of the exception in New Mexico. And that is for for a naturally reproducing walleye population that that is way far south kind of kind of a real outlier for for walleye. Okay. Okay, and you had mentioned getting walleye eggs from from other places when you weren't sure that you had enough. So how how many are enough? How do you, how do you know or, or I guess what is the goal in stocking a lake? Sure. So I won't quote you numbers cuz I'll I'll get them wrong and then the, the guys in the sport fish program will be mad at me but but through you know through many years of doing this we've we've been managing walleyes in new mexico for a long time and there was some experimentation done around stocking rates we we basically have a number of fish per surface acre of water that that works well for our reservoirs and so that's what we target um you know, we, we are looking to collect tens of millions of eggs a year, I think between 30 and 40 million eggs for a full stocking. Um, that's a, that's a pretty tall order. So as I mentioned, you know, the Fish and Wildlife Service or other states like Colorado, if, if they have excess eggs in their states, um, they will, they will sometimes offer them to us and, and we usually take them you know, as, as New Mexico anglers know all too well, our water levels fluctuate a lot and, and those fluctuations in water levels seem to affect our ability to, to spawn a lot of walleye. Um, so, you know, a, a couple years ago when water levels were good, you know, we were, we were really having pretty good success this year with, with things being down, um, you know, we, we struggled a little bit more to get eggs this year than, than we would hope. So, but tens of millions. Yeah. I think, I think full stocking is something like 30 to 40 million eggs. Wow. Wow. So, so when you're, when your team is out there, when, when all of the game and fish staff are out running the nets, what is your goal? How many, um, 
how many male and female walleye are you attempting to uh, to get? Well, in in the time that I've been around, the the short answer to that question is as many as we can. <laughs> um, we've we've come close a couple times, you know, to to everything we want, and I think in you know in in those years. We definitely are spawning, I would guess, 50 to 100 females wow. over the course of the spawn. Walleye eggs are small, so those big females can have hundreds of thousands of eggs per fish. Um, but even at a couple hundred thousand eggs per fish, getting to you know 30 million takes a lot of fish. Yeah, yeah. Holy cow. So how long are you all out doing that? How long does the spawn last? Well, um we spend about a month on it. We schedule about a month. You know, usually there is a, a real peak week in there. The first week of April is often kind of the peak of the spawn. Um, but again, you know, think, things can vary year to year depending on water temperature, you know, water levels, um, storm events, those kind of things. So. So, you know, we, we try to get out there plenty early and, and, uh, you know, we usually schedule ourselves to be out there pretty much until we're sure it's, it's over or, or mostly over. Conscious has been, at least in the last decade, kind of the, the, uh, top producer for us. We, we usually only try to spawn at two lakes per year. Um, for a couple years, it was Conscious and Santa Rosa, and then this year we we tried Sumner instead of Santa Rosa. Uh, you know, some some years a lake like Santa Rosa ends up producing really well, but but over the last decade, Conscious has definitely been the the most consistent producer, and and we picked those places in part because of their proximity to to that hatchery at at Rock Lake. You know, we we got to get the eggs there every day that we're spawning. So um, minimizing the time that the eggs spend in transport, we, we think probably helps us uh, get better hatch success. Sure. And how long does that process take from eggs being collected to fingerlings being stocked out? It's, it's not as long as you would think it's, it's just a couple of weeks. Really? Probably something like three weeks. Wow. Well, yeah, that's um, that's a huge process from netting the fish all the way to restocking, stocking back out. So all of that within basically a month and a half, two months then. Yeah. Walleye are, are interesting fish uh, from the hatchery standpoint too because you, you actually, it's hard to keep them around for very long uh, because they'll start eating each other. They're, uh, they're, their drive to eat other fish is, is so strong that really, you know, after a week or so, they'll, uh, they'll start to eat each other. So we, we got to get them out of the hatchery before that happens. Wow. Well, and what, what size are they at that point? Oh, they're, they're very, very small, you know, like quarter of an inch. Wow. And they're already, uh, already trying to eat each other. Yep. Wow. Well, so in, in talking about the hatchery 
program and, and, and the spawning program, you mentioned a lot of different lakes there. And, um, you know, when we were looking at the, at those graphs on the fishing planner, there were, like you said, four there, Abiquiu, Caballo, Sumner, and Ute. So knowing that those aren't the only four, that there's a lot of lakes around the state, uh, with walleye, what, in your opinion, are the best lakes for an angler to target walleye at? Um, well, that's a, that's a tough question because I, I guess for a couple of reasons, one, I've, I've had good success personally on a number of lakes. Um, and, and this is where I should probably say that, uh, I, I spend a fair bit of time fishing for walleye myself because I, I love them and I, I think they're a great sport fish and I really like to eat them. Um, I also think of myself as a pretty terrible walleye fisherman <laughs> because, uh, often when I'm the most confident that I'm going to do well is, is, uh, when I seem to struggle the most. So I take any advice from me with, with some grain of salt, but, but I think overall walleye can be humbling because sometimes you have great days when you don't expect it, uh, and, and bad days when you're thinking it's going to be good. That, that said, I live, so I live in Santa Fe. So the lakes that are available from Santa Fe within about a two hour drive, um, you know, are Ute, Conscious, um, Sumner, Santa Rosa and Abiquiu. So those, those are the ones that, that I have fished the most and, and know the most about. I would say that the place that I've had the most success or the most really good days is, is probably Sumner. Um, although I fished it two days this spring and, and I, I caught a few fish, but, but I didn't do as well as I was hoping that I would. Uh, I really like to fish conscious and what I, what I find is that my, the nicest walleyes that, that I've caught have come out of conscious. Um, but I, don't often end up catching a, a five fish limit of, of walleyes when I fish there. Uh, I've definitely had some great days on Abiquiu. I have not fished for walleyes in Caballo or Elephant Butte. Um, but I know that from our fishery survey data, particularly, uh, Caballo has lots and lots of walleyes in it, but it's also got a, a reputation for being um, kind of tough to figure them out. Cochiti also has, has walleyes in it. Um, and you know, I, I know that they, they catch some nice ones there, but I have, I've never really seriously fished it for walleye. Okay. Okay. And, and you said that some of them may be bigger fish, but not your five fish limit. What about the record walleye in the state? Do you know where the largest walleye ever caught in New Mexico was taken from. Yeah. So the, the record I think is over 16 pounds and it came out of, uh, Clayton. Wow. Yep. Wow. Over 16 pounds. And before I got here for a time period, the department was spawning walleye at Clayton and, uh, I've heard, stories of fish that were actually measured during the walleye spawn over 20 pounds from Clayton. Wow. 
Wow. But but on your regular spawn, even though all the, the females that you're targeting with your nets are obviously big fish, they're not anywhere near that size then. No, 10 pounds is, you know, a, a real, real big walleye. And we certainly catch 10 pounders on the spawn, but, but, uh, 15 plus is, is just absolutely huge. Yeah. Well, well, in that you had mentioned, you know, that some lakes have large fish and, and some lakes it's easier to get, get your limit. And you had mentioned the five, five per day limit. So is the bag limit or the, the regulations for walleye this, the same across the state for all waters? Yes, there are no special uh, regulations for walleye at all. It is five fish per day all year long uh, and a 14-inch minimum length limit. Nice, nice. That's that's easy to remember. Pretty straightforward. Yeah. Well, with that, let's kind of shift, I guess, a little bit back, back towards fishing. So we, we've talked about the times of year we've talked about where to go so once we have decided we're going walleye fishing and we know where we're going and we get to that lake what do you look for especially when you're learning a new lake are there certain uh, features or structures that you're looking specifically for to to target walleye yeah for sure particularly if i'm in a new place um, I kind of like to, to target flats, 15 feet of water and, and less, especially, you know, in, in this kind of May time period. Um, our reservoirs in New Mexico in, in general finding flats that meet that description, um, they're, they're a little more rare here, I think, than they are like in Midwest reservoirs where you see a lot of guys walleye fishing. So if you can, if you can find those areas, you know, they're, they're definitely a good place to start. Uh, walleye seem to like to be on those flats. Um, that said, I've caught lots of walleyes, you know, in, in places with, with rocks and, you know, sharp drop offs and, and stuff like that. But, but in in general, flats and and uh, you know lake points, you know where a, a point of land kind of sticks out into the lake, it can be probably the you know they're the first areas that I'll check out when I'm when I'm trying to learn a new spot. All right, so you'd mentioned there less than fifteen feet. So you're talking flats. You're talking structure that comes out from the shoreline. So is it is it possible to be successful bank fishing for walleye, or is it really more of a boating sport? So, you know, it's a big advantage to have a boat for sure, but I wouldn't I wouldn't let that entirely discourage me. Um, and one example I'll give is is that my first fishing trip of this year. Uh, I went out and fished a couple hours. My father-in-law and I went out and we actually struggled. I think we lost one walleye right at the boat. And then my, my trolling motor quit working on my boat and it got pretty windy. So the only way to really fish was to actually park the boat along the beach. And I, I did that. We got out and I think we actually picked up three or four walleye in an hour 
between us fishing from the bank like that. That was actually on Sumner, and it was in the area of the the North Campground. So, you know, it, it was in a place that people can can get to um, on foot. Sometimes you can drive in there. Sometimes the gates are closed, and you might have to walk a little ways. You know, obviously always check with state parks to, to make sure you're allowed to be doing what you're doing on their properties. But, uh, but yeah, that, that's an example of a, a spot that I actually fish pretty often. And those, those fish are, are sometimes pretty close to the bank there. Nice. Nice. Well, I guess expanding on that. So regardless of whether you're in a boat or, or on the shoreline, what, what are you using for, for bait for walleye? Is it mainly artificial bait, live bait, some of both? Yes, some of both. I fish with artificials quite a bit more than I fish with live bait. You know, it, it, if you said to me that I had to pick one thing to fish for walleyes with for the rest of my life, I would, I would probably pick a, a one eighth ounce black jig head and a four inch, uh, white curly tail grub. That's kind of my go-to confidence bait, you know, for for walleye. Cast it out, bounce it along the bottom. If that's not working, you know, swim it in, kind of trying to keep it close to the bottom. Generally, walleyes are, are pretty bottom-oriented. They, you know, they may come up to eat something, but they're they're usually, you know, hanging out pretty close to the bottom. Um, we'll throw off all kinds of stuff at them. Um, sick baits or, or jerk baits are a pretty common technique, you know, kind of cast it out and, and reel it in, pause it, give it a little jerk, pause it. Um, pretty common. There's, there's lots of folks that do well trolling for walleyes. They'll, they'll troll crankbaits, uh, deep, deep diving crankbaits usually, um, like, like a Rapala, Shad wrap is a, a really popular, you know, bait to troll for walleyes. You know, there there's a, a million techniques that people use to fish for walleyes and lots of information out there to look at. But, you know, trolling worm harnesses or, or something like that, like a, a spinner rig that, that has a night crawler hooked on behind it is is another pretty popular way and something that we do sometimes. Um you know, all that said, it over the course of my lifetime here and other places, I've caught a pretty fair amount of walleyes fishing uh, a night crawler underneath a bobber. Really? Yep. But you want to keep that near the bottom then still? Yeah. You know, I mean, generally speaking, you know, if, if you're fishing in six or eight feet of water, you want that thing hanging, you know, four or five feet down below the bobber. And in a lot of places, fishing for walleyes with minnows is, is really popular and, you know, a, a go-to kind of thing. Uh, the challenge with that in New Mexico is we just don't have a lot of bait dealers that sell minnows. So, you know, some, some places are more developed lakes like, like Elephant Butte and, and Ute, uh, particularly during you know, the, the busy times of the year to fish, you, you can find them. There are bait shops around that, that sell fathead minnows. Um, 
but in a lot of other places they're they're just kind of harder to come by so if you can get fat heads or other legal bait fish they're usually that's a pretty good way like to fish a minnow on a jig head um or to fish a minnow under a bobber uh but a lot of times in new mexico it, it's kind of it's kind of tough to get minnows and you had mentioned legal bait so are there um are there certain types of bait fish that that shouldn't be used yeah there there definitely are um and the the regulations are specific about what bait fish species you are allowed to use and they do vary by river drainage so like they're they're different in the rio grande drainage than they are in the pecos they're different in the canadian they're different in the gila um and we could probably spend quite a bit of time on that but but in in places where it is legal to use bait fish and there and there are some places where bait fish are not legal but those are not the places that you would find walleye um so in the places that you would find walleye you can use fathead minnows uh everywhere okay you know and and fathead minnows are really the most common bait fish that that you can buy so if you're if you're buying bait fish in New Mexico, chances are very good that that bait dealer will be selling fathead minnows, um, and and those are legal to use in all of our reservoirs that have walleye. Okay, awesome. Well, kind of backing up a little bit as far as a worm or a minnow on a bobber versus a a crankbait. You know, you've got something where they've got to chase it versus something that's relatively staying in one spot. So are those tactics better at different times? Like that peak feeding time, that May time period, is it better to use kind of fast moving tactics and then outside of the peak time, if you still want to target walleye to do more of a stationary approach or, or does that not really play into it? I don't think that that necessarily really plays into it. Um, you know, I, I, I think that generally as the water gets colder, you slow down your techniques. Um, you know, so if, if you're, if you're jigging, for instance, um, you're really more likely to catch them, you know, really moving the bait slow during the colder periods. Um, as it warms up in this time of year, you know, I find that I catch more of my fish actually swimming the jig close to the bottom. So that is, you know, re- reeling it fast enough that it's not actually hitting the bottom most of the time. I catch more fish doing that than actually bouncing the jig off the bottom. Um, but it, it's not really a, a, a kind of hard and fast rule. Um, there are there are like a thing called a, a blade bait or, or a jigging spoon. You know, I, I know some guys that, have had pretty good luck fishing those things in the fall um, and, and fishing them pretty fast, kind of dropping them down and snapping them back up off the bottom. Um, as far as fishing with live bait, I really have the, the times that I've done well, like fishing a worm under a bobber are actually usually more like summertime. Um you know, and usually it's kind of in the evening as the fish get more active or early in the morning uh, and are more active um, 
closer in because that is that is something that I would be much more likely to do if I was fishing from the bank than if I was fishing from my boat. Um, so I, you know, I, I think that those simple things like a worm and a bobber, a minnow and a bobber, um, they, they really can be effective any time that the fish are, you know, in the right place to, to present it to them. So as, as long as the fish are in shallow enough water that you're, that you're showing them that bait, uh, it can work well. All right. All right. Well, let's assume it worked well and, uh, we, we caught our limit of fish and you had mentioned a little earlier that you like to fish for walleye cause you like to eat them. So after we've gone to the lake, we've got our limit. What's your advice now? What's, what's your favorite way to prepare walleye? Well, there's, there's really not a bad way to eat them. Um, they, they are, they are probably, in my opinion, the best freshwater sport fish, or at least the best common kind of freshwater sport fish, uh, to eat. They're, they're just amazing table fare. Um, the, the really classic way to eat them. And if I haven't, you know, if I haven't had fresh fish in a while, the thing I'm probably the most likely to do with them is to fry them. Uh, I do a pretty simple thing where I just take take the fillets, I fillet the fish, trim the bones out, um, and then you know I cut the I cut those fillets into bite sized kind of pieces because I like to you know I like to get them nice and crispy all the way around, and then I I just dredge them in flour, dip them uh, in an in a mixed up egg, and then roll them in in panko breadcrumbs. Uh, and fry them in peanut oil, I think is a, a really hard way to go wrong making walleyes. Yeah, it's making me hungry. Yeah. <laughs> they're, you know, they're, they're beautiful, white, flaky meat. Nice, nice and firm. Um, not real, real strong. So they're really, you know, they're, they're ideal fish to, to feed to kids or folks who don't, you know, don't like, fish that is is real strong and fishy in flavor so you know basically you can make any recipe that you have that calls for you know flaky white kind of fish um will will be good with walleyes we we often broil them you know so i'll take like uh mayonnaise and lime juice and you know whatever spices i have around dill and uh make like a a sauce and brush it on them and and just kind of bake them or broil them and, until they're golden brown. I think that's, you know, really a nice way to do it too. But, uh, they, they really stand up for themselves. And so the simplest preparations I think are, are really good. And it, it's not uncommon at all for us to just put a little bit of butter in a hot pan, put salt and pepper on the fish and, uh, cook it until it, it's, uh, it's done in a pan like that. Man. Well, I was excited to go try it, just talking about tactics and lakes and things like that. But, but now hearing recipes, I, uh, I really want to go now. <laughs> yeah, they're, they are a fish that I really get excited about fishing for because I, they're, they're challenging to catch. Um, you know, you definitely have days where you just feel like it all comes together and, and you can't keep them off the line. Um, but, 
but in general, they're you know they they do present some challenge to catch them. They can get really big. There's always you know there's always a chance of catching a really nice one, and their their reward for catching one, as long as it meets that 14 inch minimum size limit, is you know that they are they are really really great to eat. Nice, nice. Well, I guess sort of in closing, is there any advice that you would give to people? that are maybe listening to this podcast and thinking about trying to go walleye fishing for the, for the very first time. So, I mean, I think the best advice that I can give is try it. I mean, just go and don't overcomplicate it. Like I said, if you know, you give me one thing to, to fish walleyes with the rest of my life, it, it's going to be a, a basic leadhead jig and, and curly tail grub combination. I mean, that's, I probably catch 75% of the walleyes that I catch fishing with that. And it's usually a, a black jig head with a white grub. So you don't have to overcomplicate it. Like I said, a, a worm and a bobber can be effective. Um, you know, I think one of the things that I'm really proud of with, with our sport fish program in New Mexico is that we have really great folks that work for us. And we really want to help our anglers out. So if you have a specific place in mind or if, you know, you really want to go target something like walleyes and you don't have a boat, um, you know, reach out to the department, you know, through our website, through the email addresses that you'll find there. And, we'll do everything we can to connect you with somebody who's knowledgeable about the question that you have, be it walleye or something else. And, and like I said, we'll, we'll do everything we can to try to help you be successful in finding those fish. Um, we're not secretive about where we go ourselves. We, we uh, are a group of people that loves to go fishing and we really want to see our anglers enjoy these resources you know, spending that, that month out there on the walleye spawn, those, those guys are, are really working hard doing that. And, and the reward for doing it is knowing that our anglers, you know, get to, get to enjoy those fisheries that, that are a result of it. So reach out and, and we'll do everything we can to, to point in the right direction. Nah, that's, that's great. That is, that is awesome. Well, I think that's about all we have time for today. Mike, I really appreciate you joining us and getting us fired up to to get back out on the water and try some walleye fishing. Yeah, this has been great. Thanks for having me, James. I hope everybody listening gets out there and gets after it and uh, and catches some fish. All right, thanks, Mike, again for uh, for joining us. Thank you all for tuning in. Be sure and check out our other shows and the New Mexico Wildlife website and the monthly e newsletters. Get outside and enjoy all the outdoor recreation opportunities that the state has to offer. We'll see you next time.